are listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. Though located in the heart of the Silicon Valley, you will hear fervent, old-fashioned revival preaching from the pulpit of North Valley Baptist Church. It is our desire that you will be helped by this gospel message. Well, amen. I know that song's true because I'm one of those. The Word of God changed my life. What about you tonight? I'm glad I'm not the man that I used to be. I'm not what I ought to be, but I'm glad I'm not what I used to be. You see, what happened to you? The Word of God happened to me. And thank God for that Word that's quick and powerful and sharper than a two-edged sword. It'll change your life. There's nothing like the Bible. I've never heard anybody stand up and say, Thank God for Reader's Digest. I've never heard anybody testify and say, I want to praise the Lord for Webster's Dictionary. I've heard a few rednecks say, Thank God for Field Stream Magazine, but not many. But over and over again, I've heard people testify in services like this. The Word of God, the Bible, changed my life. And I thank God for His Word. Psalm 80 tonight, if you would, turn with me there to Psalms, uh, the book of Psalms, Psalm 80 this evening. I was thinking this, and you probably thought it as well, as these folks were out here singing and uh, shivering as they sing, and all oh, the work that went in with uh, the men and others helping to set up chairs and take down chairs. There's no place, honestly, there is no place quite like this place. It's amazing what God is doing and what God has done. The circumstances are not ideal. And it's amazing how the average church in America does less than thrive in ideal circumstances. I mean, when things were good and things are good, they have a hard time sometimes making something like this happen. And it's a testimony to the goodness of God and the hand of God on North Valley Baptist Church that in days like these and in times like these, we're having services like the services that we're having. And I want to say thank God for you, and I know Pastor would echo that and say thank God for you. And tonight's just been a good night. It's a little bit cold. <clears throat> Don't call me a wimp or anything, but I'm preaching in my jacket. And if I'd have thought about it, I'd have worn some Under Armour underneath of this too. Nobody would have ever known, but uh, I'm praying to warm up. I have a heater up here. If you see me running around, it's either because God's getting in it or I'm on fire. Literally. So, <laughs> some of you are honking to that. Psalm 80, all right, let's read verse number 8 tonight. Psalm 80, the first seven verses in the book of Psalms. By the way, I usually brag on the trumpet players, but I think I'm getting on the Miss Fitro's bandwagon now playing that cymbal. I like that. That thing had me going tonight. But anyway, the first seven verses of this psalm, the psalmist is asking the shepherd of Israel to come back and guide and restore and lead his people once again. He's crying out for intervention. He's crying out for revival. When we come to verse 8 through verse 11, verse 8 being our text verse, the psalmist is looking back on the past when God did great things in the nation of Israel. He did some things for them that only God could do. And I want to draw your attention to verse number 8. Have you ever gone fishing before? Have you ever been fishing and you cast your line out and you think you have a fish on the other end of that line and you jerk it like this and it doesn't move? And you jerk it again and it doesn't move and then you find out I've got a stump, not a fish. It's called getting snagged. I was reading in Psalm 80 and I got snagged on verse number 8. And I want you to see it tonight. It says, Thou hast brought a vine out of Egypt. Thou hast cast out the heathen and planted it. A vine is not a big thing. A vine is not an impressive thing. Often a vine is not even a wanted thing. 
But here the Bible says that God took Israel, something so small and seemingly insignificant and often unwanted like a vine, and he plucked that vine, pulled that vine out of Egypt, and he planted it in the promised land. Tonight, if we were to zoom out, zoom up, and look down on this crowd this evening, though this is a large crowd, it's a great crowd, in the scope of things tonight in the Silicon Valley, can I say what we have tonight is a vine, if you will, out of Egypt. Something that compared to what's going on around us is sort of small. We're surrounded by big money. We're surrounded by big tech. We're surrounded by big corporations. We're surrounded by a literal forest of people from all around the world. But I'm glad tonight. I'm thankful tonight. I think it's kind of awesome tonight that God has seen fit to pull out and plant in this place what we could call a vine out of Egypt. For just a few moments tonight before we all turn into God's frozen chosen. Say amen right there. Icicles for the glory of God. I want to preach on this thought. A vine out of Egypt. A vine out of Egypt. Let's pray. Lord, I pray for your power to preach. I pray that you'd give us liberty. There's a lot of things, temporally speaking, fleshly speaking, that could distract us tonight. But I'm glad that you're greater than all of those. I pray that you'd warm your people supernaturally. Just warm us up tonight. I pray that you'd please speak to our hearts about this Bible truth in Jesus' name. Amen. It seems like righteousness is severely outnumbered by unrighteousness in our day. When we scan the scene of our society and you take the pulse of our culture... It's very obvious that biblical Christianity, by the way, I emphasize biblical Christianity, is growing increasingly small in its influence and its impact upon America. The world around us tonight is very anti-God. The world around us is very anti-Bible. The world around us is very anti-Christ. And we found out in recent months the world around us is very anti-church. Jesus told his disciples that he would send them forth as sheep among wolves. And can I say, often we feel very much the same way. Every trip to the market, every trip to the job site, every trip to the shopping mall finds us as sheep among the wolves of this world. We go knock doors. And not every time, but it is sad that sometimes you get a very cold reception by the person on the other side of that door. There was a day in America... No matter what state you found yourself in, when people were at least polite when somebody invited them to come to church. And they would stand and at least listen to somebody tell them about Jesus. I'll be honest with you, to my flesh it makes me feel kind of small when I knock doors in our city and somebody is less than friendly when it comes to hearing about Jesus Christ. It seems like the philosophies of our world are so strong and so prevalent and so mainstream compared to the gospel. People would rather you tell them that it's okay to kill babies than they would tell, have you preach to them that Jesus offers them eternal life. It's shocking to me to see what's accepted by normal and rational by our world. The gospel, though it's still the power of God unto salvation, the gospel seems like a small thing. When you compare it to the endless theories, philosophies, and truths that are preached by our world. The average person today would rather hear that they came from an ape 
than hear that they were created by an almighty God. I don't know about you, but I'm glad I know better than that we came from a monkey. Now, I think there's some monkeys in a high office, but I'm glad we didn't come from a monkey. The average person today would rather accept that there's an endless number of genders than to believe the Bible that in the beginning God created them male and female. The average person in our world cheers historical dictators, murderers, and those who committed genocide and would say that they advanced society. And at the same time, they hiss at the very mention of Jesus' name. Can I say when you see those things happening and read those reports and watch those kind of news cycles, it'll make you feel kind of small. The world around us is crazy. The world around us is consumed with sin. The world around us is in rebellion against God. And the world at times seems so big when you compare the world to Christianity, to our church, and especially to the individual Christian. It is sad that the world applauds those who propagate wickedness to our country and maligns those trying to sow the seeds of holiness in our country. You watch award shows and you watch television and they reserve their spots for perverts, drunkards, and rebels from God. While the servant of God is mocked and censored and made fun of by the majority. It can feel a bit small living a Christian life in a world like this and in an hour like we're living in. But can I say that should not catch us off guard. Jesus told his disciples, Marvel not, brethren, if the world hates you. You step out of your home and you step off of this property and immediately you find yourself in the minority in this generation. Those of you who read the Bible every day, you're in the minority. Those of you who pray in Jesus' name, you're in the minority. Those who love the name of God, you are in the minority. Those who try to live a holy life, you are in the minority. If you are a Bible-believing Christian tonight, there's no doubt about it, you are in the minority. I want to speak very directly, and I don't think I'm overstating it when I say it. Tonight, we must be reminded that we stand at this moment like a vine among a forest of trees. We're like a small, solitary light in a big, dark place. We're like a lighthouse standing alone on the shadowed shoreline of our society. Outside the walls of your house tonight, is Egypt. In the halls of our legislature, that's Egypt. When you turn on the television, you find Egypt. When you scroll social media, you see Egypt. The system of this world and the culture of our world, every day that surrounds us, that is Egypt. The Bible teaches us that Egypt is a type of the world. Egypt worshipped the wrong gods. Egypt put God's people in chains. It was Egypt that God said come out of. He never said go into. And tonight I want to remind you, we might feel small, but here's what we are. Every Christian home is like a vine out of Egypt. Every Christian individual is like a vine out of Egypt. Every local church is like a vine out of Egypt. Thank God we've been called out of this world. Thank God we've been brought in to the family of God. And thank God we've been planted where we've been planted on purpose for the glory of God. Tonight a vine is a small thing. 
A vine is a strange thing. A vine is a stubborn thing. And thank God a vine's a spreading thing. When you match a vine up to a redwood, it's not very impressive. Nobody flies across this country to visit the vine, but they'll drive and fly across country to see the redwood trees towering in the forest. When you compare a vine to an entire forest of trees, it's really not very impressive. In fact, a vine is often a nuisance. Have you ever tried to get a vine, an unwanted vine, out of your landscape? It's almost impossible to eradicate a vine. You can't hardly cut it out. You can't hardly cut it back. You almost have to burn that thing out, and then it still wants to spring forth. In the Bible, Israel is likened unto a vine. In Psalm 80, the Bible refers to Israel as a vine. And tonight, you and I, this church, is much the same. Our life is like that. Our home is like that. Our church is like that. It's small in the scope of things. And the world would say it's a nuisance. But I'm glad God in Santa Clara, California, has planted a vine that's been pulled out of Egypt. Tonight, the world hates this place. And the world hates your family. And the world hates your doctrine. And the world hates your convictions. But God has us here for such a time as this. Tonight the world would love to see that vine eradicated. The world would love to have the Bible out of circulation. The world would love to have your home live like its standards say. The world would love to knock down every local church. The world would love to erase Jesus' name from your vocabulary. The world would to strike the name of God from every public record but thank God tonight there's a vine out of Egypt that's been planted rooted and is growing in our generation and though the world around us seem big and though the philosophies of the world seem to outnumber the gospel and though it seems like a cold reception from society can I say this old world needs a vine out of Egypt those lost sinners need a vine out of Egypt our generation needs a vine out of Egypt and I'm still convinced that God can do a mighty big work through a little old vine that he plants in his spot on purpose for such a time as now. Thank God tonight for a vine out of Egypt. In Psalm 80, Israel's in an hour of despair. They watched as their blessed nation squandered its favor through sin and rebellion. Over and over again, the Bible teaches us that sin brings bad consequences. And nothing removes or extinguishes the blessings of God any quicker than sin. Proverbs 14, 34 reminds us that the righteousness exalteth the nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. And whether that be my life or yours or the life of a nation, can I say sin always brings bad consequences and the judgment of God. The psalm begins with the plea to the shepherd. The people of God have been scattered like sheep. The wolves have come in and ravaged the flock of God. Now they cry out for the Lord to gather them together again. The people of God hunger for the shepherd's protection. They long for the shepherd's provision. They want the shepherd's presence. Assyria and Babylon had captured the people of God. Now the nation's divided and the remnant has been dispersed. Psalm 80 is a psalm penned by a man named Asaph. And as he pins his poem, he's living in a generation that can only look back at the blessings of God as they live through the current judgment of God. Here in verse 1 through 7, Asaph is pleading with God over Israel's condition. He cries out for guidance. He cries out for grace. And he cries out for God to intervene and send revival. 
Read with me verse 1 through 4. I'll read it aloud. You read it there in your seat to yourself. It says, Give ear, O shepherd of Israel. Thou that leadest Joseph like a flock, thou that dwellest between the cherubims, shine forth before Ephraim and Benjamin and Manasseh. Stir up thy strength. Come and come and save us. I like this phrase. Turn us again, O God, and cause thy face to shine, and we shall be saved. O Lord God of hosts, how long wilt thou be angry against the prayer of thy people? Now look at verse 7. He said again, turn us Again, O God of hosts, and cause thy face to shine, and we shall be saved. Twice in those first seven verses of the psalm, Asaph begs God to turn Israel back to himself. His heart had enough of the reproach. His heart longed for revival. He was weary with the rebellion that was around him and the rebellion that was within him. And he cries for the shepherd to come back and to meet with his sheep and to guide them once again. Now, this is not the message, but can I make a quick statement? Would to God, God would give us some Christians that would beg God for revival in our generation. I think it might be a good thing if somebody would give up a meal and fast for revival. If somebody would miss some sleep and pray for revival. If somebody would shed a tear and agonize for revival. I'll be very candid. I think it's revival or it's over for America. We must have God move. We must seek God work. We need God. God to turn us again. God's going to do it somewhere. God's going to do it someplace. God's going to use somebody. And I tell you this, I'm jealous to let God have us and let God do it here. I want to pray the prayer, God, don't do it someplace else. Don't do it with some other people. Let North Valley Baptist be the place. Let us be the people that see revival in our generation. I don't care about the dead church across town. I don't care about the, the compromised church downtown. I want God to do something right here and whether or not they see revival in contingent on us having it and I believe if we'd beg God tonight and seek his face and pray that he turn us back we can see God do something now in verse 8 that's where I'm preaching at tonight transitions from the psalmist looking back and crying out over the current condition of Israel to now looking back and remembering the goodness of God in Israel I was reading Psalm 80 in my morning Bible study earlier last week and I'd read Psalm 80 before, and I've preached some of these verses before, but I'd never preached out of verse 8. And it seemed like God would not let me get over verse 8. It's kind of like a man running around a track, and I was able to hurdle all these other verses, but I could not clear the hurdle of verse number 8. I kept seeing that phrase, that verse, and it spoke to my heart. And here's what God declares. Thou hast brought, as the psalmist pins it under inspiration, thou hast brought a vine out of Egypt. Thou hast cast out the heathen and planted it. Now that little verse packs the entire history of Israel from the time of their exodus to the time of their planting and thriving in the land of Canaan. Like a vine planted alone in a forest of trees. God had plucked Israel out of Egypt, set them free, and then put them down with roots in the promised land. Isaiah 5 gives us a parallel to this. And God references Israel. And he calls Israel his choicest vine in his vineyard. And he says that he's protected that vine with a wall and with a high tower. Now remember this tonight. A vine is a small thing. 
A vine is a strange thing. A vine is a stubborn thing. And thank God a vine is a spreading thing. For over 400 years, Israel suffered in Egyptian bondage. We know the story. They were making bricks for Pharaoh. They were seemingly left alone. The people of God were wrapped in shackles every day. Their back was the bullseye for the whip of their taskmasters. They were making bricks for Pharaoh. They were in sorrow and affliction. Their life was hard. The Bible says they began to cry out to God for reason of their affliction. And thank God in Exodus 3, the Bible says God heard their cry. I'm glad tonight our God's a God that hears and will answer prayer. In Exodus chapter 3, God answers the prayer of His people with a man. God sends them a deliverer by the name of Moses. Now can you imagine how small Moses must have felt, kind of like a vine in the midst of a forest. Moses is born a slave. More Moses was hid in a basket. Moses was raised in a strange home. Moses committed murder. Moses lived as a fugitive. Then one day Moses saw a burning bush and heard a voice say, Moses, I am that I am. And God calls Moses to go stand before Pharaoh and declare, let God's people Go. Can I say Moses was sort of like a vine before that mighty redwood of Pharaoh. Moses doesn't have an army. He just has Aaron. Pharaoh has an army. Moses doesn't have wealth. He's a shepherd. Pharaoh has wealth. Uh, Moses doesn't have an empire. His people are slaves. Pharaoh rules an empire. Moses was a vine compared to Pharaoh. Pharaoh was powerful. Pharaoh was in control. But God used Moses to stand before Pharaoh to Clear, let my people go. And you know the story. The plagues come. Pharaoh didn't humble himself in front of God. He snubbed his nose at God. The plagues come. The frogs, the locusts, the mother-in-laws. Oh my. They all came. Teeth out. Suitcases for two weeks of staying. <clears throat> That's a plague. Only thing worse is the lake of fire itself. Pharaoh still refused to let God's people go. And the death angel comes. And you know the story. The death angel passes over the houses of Israel because the blood is on the doorpost. But there's great death in Egypt. Then God's people begin to set out toward Canaan land. As they make their march, they come to a Red Sea. That Red Sea's before them. Moses must have felt like a vine compared to a forest standing by that Red Sea. But God did what only God can do. God parted the water. You see the children of Israel walk through on dry ground. Pharaoh's armies follow and Pharaoh got a bath that he'd never get over. We know the story. God's people begin to march toward Zion. God God plucked his people out of bondage. He took his people out of chains and begins to lead them toward the promised land. It's a vine out of Egypt. Then Moses dies. Moses passes away after about 40 years of wandering. And Joshua takes the lead. Joshua begins to lead God's people. They come to the river Jordan. God does it again. The priests step into the brim of Jordan with the ark going before them. And the waters of Jordan stand upon 
and heap. The people of God are on their way to the promised land as they cross through the river Jordan. They come to Jericho. The unseen hand of God, after seven days of marching, knocks down the impenetrable walls of Jericho. You say, what's God doing? He's digging out a hole to plant his vine. He's making some room to plant his vineyard. The Bible tells us God has brought a vine out of Egypt. That's what God's doing through Moses. That's what God is doing through Joshua. Israel in Egypt was so small. They didn't worship the Egyptian gods. They didn't follow the Egyptian culture. They were in bondage there in Egypt. But God brought them out. And then God brought them in. God took Israel and he plants them in the promised land. How small Israel must have felt. They didn't fit into Canaan land either. They just didn't fit in to this whole world. They didn't worship the Canaanite gods. They didn't listen to the Canaanite music. They didn't wear the Canaanite dress. They didn't go to the Canaanite activities. They didn't live the Canaanite way. They didn't have Canaanite philosophy. They were in a strange place. A vine planted out of Egypt. But the Bible tells us in verse 9 through 11 that God caused that little vine to grow that little vine to prosper and that little vine to thrive. Can I say tonight, it's amazing what God can do with a little thing in a big place that just stays faithful to God. I'm glad that God brought a vine out of Egypt. He was faithful to put his people in the promised land. Just like a vine, God planted them in the land of Canaan. Now let me apply it quickly and we'll go to the house. The psalmist is crying out for restoration. He's begging God for revival. But in the midst of his prayer, for revival. He looks back on what God had done for the nation of Israel. Tonight, I feel like the psalmist. I want to see God send revival. I want revival. I long for revival. We need revival. You need revival. Our church needs revival. Our homes need revival. And I'm glad I know where the one is that can send revival. You go to the store of God tonight and the shelves are packed with revival. Just go to his storehouse and you'll find that God's supply is full. And if we meet the conditions of God, He can still send revival in our generation. And we need that. And I long for that. But I also want to encourage you tonight. We need revival, yes. But I want to encourage you, don't forget and don't overlook what God has already done for us here. I'm glad that for these 45 years, God has seen fit to nourish and cultivate Fertilize, grow, and prune at times a vine that he pulled out of Egypt. I think like, his, like Israel, every born-again person can testify and say, I'm glad God brought me out. I'm glad I'm not what I used to be. I'm glad I'm not where I used to be. I'm glad I'm no longer uh, how I used to be with God. I'm glad I'm saved. I've been set free. You see, but I got saved young. It took the same grace to get you in that it took to get anybody else in. You'd have gone to the same hell as the murderer or the drunkard or the terrorist. Thank God for His grace. We got brought out of Egypt. We were born in this world and we were born in sin and we were hopeless and sinking 
sinking down in the mire of iniquity. But thank God for the long arm of grace that reached way down and pulled us up and set our feet up on a solid rock, turned our life around, established our goings, saved us, made us a child of God. I've been brought out. I'm not perfect, but I'm forgiven. I don't have it all together, but thank God I'm in his hand. I might not have a name known to you, but I'm known to God. I'm glad I got pulled out tonight. I'm preaching to people. You might have used to be on a bar stool. Now you're in a church house. You used to be uh, maybe in a wreck, and now your life's put back together. You used to be somewhere else on Sunday, but look at you now. You say, what happened? Here's what happened. We got brought out. Thank God for it. I didn't just get brought out. I got brought in. I'm glad I'm in the family tonight. I'm glad I've got a heavenly father. i got a big brother named Jesus. And when the devil picks on me, he takes up for me. Say amen right there. And I'll tell you something depressing. That means we're all related. That's right. If you're saved, we're all in the same family. What an ugly family. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Great. We're all saved tonight. We've been brought in. And one of these days, we're going to get brought over. Thank God heaven's waiting for us on the other side. But can I say, just like a vine out of Egypt, God pulled us out. God brought us in. And God has planted us where he's planted us on purpose for a purpose. Like Israel, so is every Christian home in this world. Oh, can I say, your home is needed now more than ever. We need every Christian home to stay together. We need every Christian home to be a home of prayer. We need every Christian home to be a home where hymns are sung. We need every Christian home to be a place of peace and safety and harmony in the midst of this hellish world. We need every Christian home to be salt and light in their neighborhood. Your home is like a vine out of Egypt. Every Christian life is like a vine out of Egypt. I know you might feel small. I know you might feel insignificant. But thank God he does a great big work through a little vine that he plants a vine out of Egypt. Egypt. Our church tonight is like a vine out of Egypt. People don't understand it. When I travel and I preach, they say, what's your area like? And I say, let me see your cell phone. And they'll show me their cell phone. And I'll say, let me see your apps. And I'll look at those apps and I'll say, that's what our area is like. Facebook, Twitter, eBay, Google, KNVBC, KNVBC. If our internet friends are watching KNVBC app and also the KNVBC app and the old time preaching pod, the podcast. Uh, anyway, I say, let me see your phone and, and Brother Cooper's picture. I'm kidding. But anyway, just their app. That's what we're like. If you were to zoom out and zoom up and look down, this place doesn't fit in this area. We ought not be here. There is no way in the world there should be a church like this in a place like this. It's impossible. It cannot happen. It doesn't fit. It won't work. You mean to tell me there's a church in the midst of Facebook and Google and eBay and all the, all, all the iniquity and hell that big tech introduces, there's more wickedness per capita that comes out of this place, this area, than any area in the world through that technology. You mean to tell me there's a church that preaches the King James Bible in the Silicon Valley? 
What are you You mean you haven't had to adopt a watered down, a corrupt text like an ESV or an NIV or a New King James? You mean you preach the old King James Bible and you have a crowd of folks that come to hear it? Yes, I, I'm saying that's what happens here. And by the way, we don't preach it apologetically. And I don't mean that we don't preach it doctrinally, but we don't apologize for our Bible. We preach it with authority and we preach it like we believe it and we preach it like we're excited about it and folks enjoy it and they haunt their horns and they say, bring it on. They say, let it rip. Yes, that happens. You say, how is that so? I tell you why. God saw fit to bring a bunch of vines out of Egypt and he planted us here on purpose. Thank God for it. You mean there's a church like that that sings hymns? Wait a minute. In the Silicon Valley, there's a church that can get by with singing hymns and old time southern gospel quartet songs. I mean, there's no fancy beat, no, uh, no syn uh, syncopated rhythmic beat to it. They can get by with singing uh, that kind of music. How is that possible? Everybody in this area, don't you know, they don't want to hear that. They want the wishy-washy worship center down at the other place. They want that watered down, no doctrine, tickle your ear and love on your flesh kind of music. They get at Sister Gertrude's church. They don't want that old time singing. They don't want amazing grace. They don't want to keep on the firing line. They don't want what a friend. Oh yeah, we sing those songs. In fact, we sell a whole lot of hymn books with those songs in it and people enjoy it and they shout amen and tears run down their face and they raise their hand. They say glory to God. We sing just as I am and they come to an altar and get a hold of the Lord in prayer. You say that can't work. Oh, it can work. You say, how does it work? Because God's in it. God put a vine out of Egypt and he planted us here on purpose. You mean to tell me in the Silicon Valley? In the Silicon Valley you have a group of ladies that look like ladies? And men that look like men? Now I preached at some churches where the men were men and the women were too. Where I'm from, say amen right there. I'll, say, I'll tell people, in West Virginia, it's all ca camouflage, rocky boots, and facial hair. And if you think that's something, you ought to see the men. You mean to tell me that there can be a church? There can be a church in the Silicon Don't you know that's a trendy place? That's surf culture now. Brother Sly, don't turn off your radio. You know, thank you. I mean, you're, that, that's not going to work there. Oh, yeah. It's awesome to see. It's awesome to see our young people. I'm talking about in the wiggle worms and up. Already wearing ties to church, the young men. They got more conviction than the pastor at the emergent church does. It's awesome to see these young ladies look like young ladies. And learn how to live and walk and act like a young lady. You say, that can't happen in 2020. It's happening here. You say, do you have the enforced address code? No, the Holy Ghost does a good job at that. It's amazing what would happen if you got saved and got some religion and conviction. What it do to your wardrobe? Say amen right there. But can I say that works? You say, how does that work? That don't work anywhere else. It'll work when God's in it. And I'll tell you what God has done. For 45 years, God saw fit to pull a vine out of Egypt. And he planted it at ground zero here in the Silicon Valley. You say, that won't work. That old bus ministry soul winning won't work. People don't want those buses in this area. They're too uptight. They won't even let their kids play contact football. Hello. I didn't say soccer and I know where I am. Thank you. That flag football is out of hell. But anyway, they won't even let their boys tackle each other. 
You think they're going to put their kids on a bus with strangers like Luke Flood? Hopefully not. No, it won't work. That doesn't work. They won't come for bubble gum and uh, uh, Little Caesar's pizza. They won't do that. They won't answer their door when you knock and receive a gospel track and bow their head on their door and get born again. That won't work. Hey, just because you're too lazy to do it at your place don't mean it doesn't work at ours. Say amen right there. I found out it works. You all know that it works. Whenever we have those buses running, they're filled every Sunday. When we have the soul winners out, there's folks saved every Sunday, every Saturday. Say, how, how can that happen? It can't happen unless God is in it. And in all the places of the world, everywhere they say, our area is too hard, our area is too dark, our area is too far gone. Well, God thinks otherwise. He's doing it here. How's he doing it? He's got a vine that he pulled out of Egypt and he planted it in the Silicon Valley. You mean to tell me you got church more than once a week? It's not, it's not on the couch? You mean to tell me Sunday night you don't just go at a round table and sit with your co-pastors and discuss Bible doctrine and things? You actually preach three times a week? Yes. Yeah, we have preaching Sunday night, Sunday morning. We have preaching on Wednesday night. Why is that? Because the song says God's Word changes lives. It's not your book report. It's not your journal that changes lives. It's God's Word that changes lives. You say, how's this happen? i tell you how it happens. God pulled a vine out of Egypt and he planted it in the middle of Silicon Valley. Well, that might work, you say, but it won't grow. It won't be very good size. Why don't you look around? Look at all these buildings. How's that possible? When I first preached here several years ago before I, my wife and I moved here to work with Pastor Treber, I was walking down the hallway and during that specific meeting there are pictures hanging in the hallway and there's a picture of the very first church building. And that first church building would have been about the size of this platform, just a little bit longer and wider, but not much bigger than this area up here. And I looked at that and it's amazing that God took this thing from that small beginning, just a little vine, surrounded by the trees of this world, and through the years how God has nurtured it and cultivated it and God has blossomed that vine into such a place as this. Can I say there's not many places like this place, not just in America, but in the world tonight. This place is transcending. This place is unusual. This place is peculiar. But I'm thankful we don't fit into a world that's falling apart. I'm glad that we stand out as distinct and unusual to a lost and dying world. Look what God has done. It was just a little vine, just a small thing. It seemed insignificant, but thank God He brought a vine out of Egypt. I want to encourage you tonight. I don't really have a lot more message left, but I want to encourage us as a church. Hey, you got to be thankful tonight. You get to be part of this vine. You got to be thankful that you've been planted in this place. You ought to be grateful to God. You get to serve here. We ought to rejoice in the Lord that we have North Valley Baptist Church. Don't take it for granted. Don't sell it short. Let's give it all we've got for the glory of God. Jesus is coming soon. This place needs this place. Our area needs our church. And God has planted us here for a purpose. I have people all the time asking me, why would you want to live in California? Why would you want to work in that area? Why would you want to minister in that place? I don't know. Maybe they're different than me. But when I played sports, I didn't want to ride the bench. I wanted in the game. I don't know about you, but if I was going to be a soldier, I wouldn't want to sit in the barracks. I'd want to be in the battle. 
if there's a fire and I'm a fireman, I don't want to sit in the firehouse. I don't want to be putting out the fire. And I don't know about you, but if I'm going to serve God, I want to serve God on the front lines of hell. I want to serve God where the devil has a stronghold. I want to serve God where the world says no. I want to serve God where the brethren have doubts. I want to serve God where he gets the most glory, where he can be lifted up, where God is honored. You say, I'm moving out, not me. I'm moving in. I want to see God do something. I want to see God do a work. I want to see God send revival. And if God's going to do it, he'll do it through a place like this, a people like this. And thank God we've been rooted and planted and we can grow for the glory glory of God. What are we? Just a vine out of Egypt. Thank God tonight for the vine. Thank God you've been brought out. Thank God you got brought in. And we've been planted here on purpose. Every Christian tonight is a vine. Every Christian home is like a little vine. Our church, if you look at it in the span and scope of things around us, it's like a vine out of Egypt. But that's what they said of Israel. And can I say every nation in this world tonight is blessed because of Israel. Our Savior came out of Israel. God has done some pretty big things through that little vine pulled out of Egypt, planted in the promised land. I thank God providentially, I thank God in the will of God long before we ever existed or drew breath, thought, you know what? That place, that Silicon Valley is going to be a blessed place agriculturally. I'm going to send some intelligent people there. All the wealth of the country almost to be centered in that place. But it's going to get wicked. And sin's going to abound. And people are going to stray. But I'm going to answer that by pulling a little vine out of Egypt. Separating and calling my people out of that mess. I'm going to plant them right in the midst of that place. And do something great with their lives. Church, one day we'll look back on these days. It'll be history. And we'll look from a higher plane as God increases and advances us down the road of His will. And we'll say, thank God I stayed. Thank God I served. Thank God for the chance to be a part of that little vine out of Egypt. Thank God for every Sunday school teacher. Your class will get started again soon if it's not already. You stay planted. Thank God for every bus worker. The buses will run again. Stay planted. And don't wait until the bus runs to work with your route. Work with it now. Thank God for every choir member. The choir is going to start again soon. Stay planted. Thank God for every orchestra member. Stay planted. Thank God for every tither. Stay planted. Thank God for every person that's part of our family tonight. Can I say this place wouldn't be this place if you weren't part of it. And we all pulling together can do something for God. Why? Because we're just a little vine out of Egypt. What a great opportunity. I'm going to pray. I just want to encourage your heart. God used that to help me t this week. You say, I feel so small. We are. But thank God our God's big. And he's got big plans for us in this place. Let's pray together and ask God to use our church. I'm glad for what he's done, but don't you want to see him do it again? Thank you for listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. For more information about our ministry or to find out how to get in contact with us, visit our website at nvbc.org. 
May God bless you as you serve Him this week.